0: If you're looking at a house that has a carport, and in that carport you go into you go into it, and there's a washer and dryer usually, and that leads into like a kitchen, and then there's another point of entry in the house that's the front door that leads into like a larger living room space. I typically guide investors to go ahead and divert the entrance to the house to that carport, because now that front bedroom becomes two bedrooms, and those two bedrooms, one of them has its own private entrance, and then the other one has entrance into the main part of the house based off of how you do like a little box for them to be able to get into the main part of the house through two doors and then now your neighbors only seeing one person going through the front door and then now everyone's going in through the carport to get into the house and it's not bothering anybody so the money is made in acquisitions and there's a lot of savvy little things that you do so when you do select your property you do hit those indicators that get you bonuses You do have your private entrances. You do have multiple egresses. You do have larger size rooms because now you set your house up based off of what's going to get you the higher returns. You do go ahead and put the desk in the room because you want to attract the person that works for those tech companies. And that desk is an extra amenity that looks fantastic in your photo. So instead of buying a house and just running around and trying to pick anything in the acquisition process, you're already selecting the house based off of those features that are going to generate you that higher rent rate, and then you're getting those higher returns so that when you're finally finishing the project, it's not an afterthought. It's something that was planned ahead and you know what you're going to go ahead and generate on that.
1: Well, that was just one of the many gems that Ray continued to drop throughout the entire interview. He shared so many pro tips with us that I personally feel like I know how to look at a property from a completely different perspective and seeing spaces differently, seeing opportunity differently when i look at a real estate property now because he shares exactly how to look at a property exactly how to maximize on a passive standard so that you can create an unforgettable experience and a truly remarkable rental product for the market space and help you differentiate against all the other future investors that might be coming into the space in the future so if you want to work with ray make sure you click on the referral link in the show notes so that you can be routed directly to Ray's calendar and not anybody else's because he actually owns passives himself. And that's how I know that he will be able to provide a ton of value to you. So make sure you like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Kent underscore he, so you can get more real estate information just like this. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today, I got my friend, Ray Nunez. He is a number two account executive at PatSplit, and he owns multiple Splits himself. So you know he's talking from experience. But I'm so excited to welcome Ray on because he's going to drop so many gems for you guys, man. It's going to be ridiculous. You got to make sure you stay tuned for the entire podcast episode because Ray is going to have... Some bombs to drop for all of you guys to learn about how to implement this into your investment strategy and how to diversify your portfolio with some passwords. So, without further ado, Ray, welcome to the show. Man, tell the audience a little up, bit about yourself and just how you got started in real estate, man? Let's go with that. Hey, what's up, brother?
0: Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very excited to talk about pad split, but I'm even more excited to talk about the stuff that got me to where I'm at today. And hopefully, you know, your crowd and your your people who watch your show are able to learn from this. So um, I started actually my long little journey has started back in somewhere around 2015. I was in phone sales, got into real estate through wholesaling and in wholesaling. I thought I'd go ahead and uh, acquire property and make fifty thousand dollars really quick. Uh, But from there. Uh, I joined a small firm in Orlando, and from dropping signs to submitting offers to acquisitions and sales, uh, we got absorbed to a bigger company. And in that bigger company, I realized that, hey, uh, I could do it myself. And with my fiance and business partner, Oriana, we decided to go ahead and do our own thing in 2019, thinking that 2020 was going to go ahead and be a spectacular year, and COVID. So with covid Uh, you know, that, that COVID discount that everybody was trying to get back in 2020 on every single type of property (laughs) and that nobody wanted to buy in March or April or anything like that. Yeah. That's how started my own company when it went and, you know, basically went, so we pivoted though. So this story ended up going very well. We noticed that hedge funds were acquiring properties. We noticed that they were picking up things above market price and we Mm. were just picking up properties, keeping it for a month or two, kind of wholetailing it, rehabbing it and throwing it back on the market. Wow. And with that, we were able to go ahead and uh, make some money in 2020 and 2021. Uh, I will say though, that how I got into pad split is that at one moment, Oriana wanted to go ahead and work for one of the hedge funds that she was selling to. So she went ahead and and left our partnership to go ahead and do that. And I noticed that there was a company that was hiring executives in Florida and that that company happened to be pad split. So they hired me as their account executive for Florida. And they're like, Hey, let's go ahead and chase some dreams. Let's go ahead and talk about affordable housing and me selling properties to investors to flip. I didn't know the first thing other than people were being priced out the market. So PatchPlay was a nice way to to get into the co-living space and the affordable housing space and to kind of right some wrongs in my wholesaling life. So that's my uh, long, short story on split.
1: Dude, what an incredible story, man. You've done a little wholesaling and you've had success doing wholesaling, which not a lot of people can honestly even say. And now you get into this, what I'm calling is probably the next era of high cash flow or High yields for single family rentals because you know that was a, the Airbnb game a couple of years ago. That that was a whole craze. But now I really honestly see that Pat Split is going to be leading this forefront into the next sort of best exit strategy. So that is really cool, man. Like, well, maybe in just one or two minutes, can you just explain to audience like what Pat Split is for people that have never heard of Pat Split? Just give us like a quick crash course on what it is.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, PadSplit, in short, is a marketplace platform that is nationwide. We are the co—we are the largest co-living market space in the in the United States, and we're in over 18 cities nationwide. So, what PadSplit does is, as a two-sided marketplace, they not only have a spot for you to go ahead and put your property on the platform to rent by the room, but then they also help build the ecosystem so that these investors have an easier process uh, and hedge against a lot of the risk of renting by the room. And so PadSplit, through their technology, is able to offer you as an investor marketing for your properties, screening for your properties, collection Mm. of the rent at your houses, uh, as well as handle member-to-member disputes. So if there's any type of issues in your house, PadSplit has a whole department dedicated to go ahead and get that phone call or message for you so that there's a buffer between you and the people in the house. And then on the flip side for hosts, Pat Splits giving you a dedicated account executive that's going to go ahead and guide you through the process of onboarding your property, educating you about the process, and connecting you with vendors that
1: make your process a lot simpler. Dude, do you practice that? That was that was like so concise and precise. <laughs> Dude, that was nice, man. I I didn't think you would do that in less than a minute, but you did, and that was pretty incredible. But you mentioned a couple of things there mm-hmm. about like handling member-to-member disputes. We're going to get into that because the, mm-hmm. I definitely want... The audience is obviously thinking about like, hey, how do you handle issues when you have so many people living under one roof? What does that really look like? We're going to get into that, but maybe let's start from the very beginning. If I think about what happens in real estate, right? You have to acquire the property first, and part of that is stem from having an expert like you, which is why I brought you on the podcast. Because when I have a conversation with you, I was like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. So I want to get a sense from you, like, how do you? identify deals? Like, what do you walk into a home? How are you looking at a home and give some tactical advice for people that are out there that are just looking to pass for the first time. How did they spot a deal? So pad split deals is a lot
0: simpler than a lot of people give credit to. So not every pad split house has to be 2000 square feet. And I think that's a conception that most people have. A house needs to be huge. A house needs to have mm. a lot of parking spaces for it to be a, a, a great pad split. But it depends on, on how you're acquiring a property. It depends on how much capital you have. But for me, patch split is the perfect thing for a burr method. And so I'm looking at properties that would be a flip, a fix and flip. And mm-hmm. instead of fix fixing and flipping it to someone else as an end buyer, you're keeping it for yourself so that you can go ahead and cash out, refinance, keep the asset and make the money and pull the equity out. So properties that make sense for Pat splits are ones that have extra bathrooms not just one bathroom. Mm. You wanna look at two ba- two bathroom, three bathrooms. You wanna look at awkward space. For a fix and flip, uh, a weird bonus room or weird rooms that are just huge for no reasons. And you're like, families aren't gonna want this huge living room. It's massive. Well, for pad split, those are easy two, three bedrooms inside wow. that space. So when you're looking at any market, it's not just the cheapy houses that you're looking for, but you're gonna wanna look at areas that are high demand for rental, where it's unaffordable to find rent. And with that, you have high demand for people who want to go ahead and rent your rooms out. And so when I look for a property, it's more on the space, the flow of the house. It's on how many windows you have in that space because Mm. those windows are very important for egresses. You want to have two egresses per room, a way into the room and a way outside of the room to the outside part of the house. Uh, You want to deliver, what is it, those bonus rooms or office spaces? Fantastic for pad split. It's Mm. not great for resale because resale doesn't have a closet. So it's not considered a room, but for pets, it's a room that you don't have to do anything else other than furnish it. So it's, it's more on the, how to make your life simple by buying a house that has great flow that you can add additional rooms with doing less rehab to it. And then making sure that you make the money on the acquisition, as everyone says.
1: Wow. So I love that. If I were to just quickly summarize for you what people should definitely look at windows. I think that's something that we haven't really discussed with people where in the past, Airbnbs, people were just looking for as many bedrooms as possible, getting as many heads and vests. But now you, that was a great piece of advice. When you are trying to add a room, you need two means of egress. You need a window for people to get out. And also you can probably frame a drywall and provide another front door and people can get out that way. Genius, absolute genius, and I love that you brought those big rooms because I know in Florida there's tons of sunrooms, of Florida rooms, whatever you want to call it. Those could be great, great conversion uh, opportunities for you right there. So I love that you also talked about bathrooms. Tell us a little bit more about bathrooms. Like, what does the demand look like for bathrooms on Because it seems like it's the opposite of what we see in Airbnbs, where bedrooms are a higher priority. But it seems like bathrooms are where is that in past words. Am I right? So. Th- So bathrooms is a fantastic topic to talk about, because
0: with bathrooms, (laughs) uh, it's less rehab costs, because if you're taking a three bedroom, one bath, and you're going to go ahead and convert it to a six bedroom, well, for patch split, the minimum standard is for every four bedrooms, you want to have one public bath. You don't Mm. always just want to do the minimum standard. You want to go ahead and provide a better experience so these members are staying Mm -hmm. in your property longer. But Mm -hmm. at the the other side, same the other side of the token, as an investor, I don't want to go ahead and get to six bedrooms and add two more bathrooms. Two more bathrooms might be $16,000. So when acquiring a property, you want to go ahead, I'll take the two, three over the four, one. Because I can go ahead and generate bedroom space inside of a garage, a Florida room, a dining room, a living room, a bonus room. There's so many rooms to go ahead and create bedroom spaces out of. But to go ahead and do plumbing and to add extra bathroom is cumbersome stuff takes away from bedroom space.
1: I told you guys this guy's going to bring no gems. Where else would you have known, like, hey, I should look for the two threes instead of the four ones. That makes so much more sense because that cuts down on your uh, initial cash outlay right away. That is Absolutely a great tip for our audience. I hope people just rewind that and listen to that piece just again, just to make sure you really, really grasp that. Um, So you talked about garage conversions. Are you typically looking, are those like your best opportunities? Like it seems like living room, dining room and garages are your top sort of opportunities for converting these rooms. Is there anything else people should know about garage conversions? Like anything that they should look out for when they're doing some sort of project like that?
0: So I'll, I'll try to tie in the last question and this one together a little bit, yeah. because it's still a little bit more on the bathroom side. There is a premium to bathrooms, and those are the ones that people like to go ahead and rent first. So you would think that it's the cheapest room available that ends up renting first. It's actually some of the premium rooms that offer the Ooh. most, that rent out first. So I'll, I'll give an example. I had a property that was originally a 3-1 it ended up having an outside unit. And in that house, I was able to go ahead and create a, a private bedroom with its own private bath on the outside unit and then add an additional bathroom and two other rooms in the main house. Ended up being a six bedroom, three bath. Well, the first two rooms that rented out immediately were the private bedroom with the private baths at 240 a week. So it's those premium rooms that people are looking for and want to book immediately. Uh, the other thing now when we're looking at
1: what was the question again? I actually absolutely forgot the second part. The, the garage conversion. Like do you, what typically happens during that part of the process? And I don't know, do people automatically put uh, a bathroom next to there? Because like there's a water heater there. I'm not sure really how the, the integrity of the homes look like for your projects in the past or your investors.
0: So I've personally converted a two-car garage into two bedrooms myself. And with that, I kept the outside the way that it looked And i just framed against it while taking the track off the garage door and i used the original egress that was already there on the side of the house for windows for those rooms smart so it was quite easy to go ahead and do flooring in in the in the room put laminate flooring frame out the room and then pass over the ac from the main part of the house into the garage because the garage was underneath the second floor so it was a split level house and so that wasn't a hard conversion And I'm able to get $1,600 out of those two rooms, but not only get $1,600, but it's an easy conversion back in case I ever wanted to sell it down the line.
1: Um, Right. Because you also kept the garage door in place, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I got too excited. No, no, you're fine. It's it's collaborative.
0: (laughs) It's collaborative. So garage conversion, and you're absolutely right. In bathrooms, there's a lot of opportunity to go ahead and, not in bathrooms, in garages, you have absolute. Uh, opportunity to go ahead and make bathrooms in there and make one whole garage. If, it, if it's a one car garage with the washer dryer in there and the water heater, you can technically make a master suite in there. Oh. But in Florida, what I've seen a lot, people that flip properties already convert these carports into bedroom spaces that are just additional like living room space. Mm. And people are already converting garages into bedrooms. So that might not count for the flipper, uh, in regards to like square footage or it might not be great for value, but for pad split, that's just an additional revenue stream. That's additional income in a property. But that's an easy conversion for you to go ahead and do a private en suite. And the private en suites would generate you somewhere around 40 to $50 more than your traditional bedroom on a pad split.
1: That's a great number for our audience to listen to and anchor to. Like it's additional forty to fifty dollars per week uh, whenever you have an ensuite. That can make your ROI really, really worth it. Do you remember how how much your garage conversion like cost it at all? Rough range. Yeah, I was gonna say that varies, but
0: you're looking mm-hmm. at somewhere around eight thousand dollars for two rooms. Oh. That included some electrical, framing, uh, and duct work that went into the rooms. It was mostly cosmetic, though. There wasn't mm. much that was done to it because the laminate floor went over the concrete floor in. the Darn framing it. of the room was done. There's a step down into the garage from like the barrier around the sides. And mm. that step down is where I made the wall that framed the rooms out. And then oh. the electrical was kind of passed through the house anyway. And then the duct that went through the den of the house kind of goes over both rooms. So it wasn't a hard process to do.
1: Wow. So, well, I'm glad you actually talked through that process a little bit because a lot of folks, when they, I'm sure you deal with this with new investors, right? Like people are very scared about, hey, what if this goes wrong? How does this process work? Sometimes people need to have the exact answer for every single step of the process before they actually take the next step instead of like, hey, let me just go, let me go figure it out. So that's why I brought you onto the show because you clearly have experience and you know what you're talking about and you have that eye for identifying how to convert a property maybe the next let's take this conversation into markets because I really want the audience to hear from you Ray about how do you decide what's a good area to invest in for a pad split? Like what neighborhoods and areas, like how do you think about all those? Sometimes in real estate we talk about the macro indicators, right? Like job Mm -hmm. growth, population growth, what might differ when, people are looking at neighborhoods or markets investing for splits. What do you recommend and how are you looking at those markets?
0: Well, those macros are still fairly important, especially when you're Mm -hmm. investing into a city to go ahead and do a pad split. So I live in Orlando and in Orlando, we know that we have X amount of people that are moving into Florida on a daily basis. That number, I don't have it off the top of my head, but knowing that there's a ton of people that are moving from other states because there's no state taxes because it's landlord friendly. There is, because of a lot of different factors that make people, the weather is fantastic in Florida. uh, (laughs) There's a lot of people that are moving to Florida and knowing that you understand that it's not getting any cheaper. Real estate's only getting more expensive. The cost of living's getting only more expensive. Uh, the minimum wage isn't increasing substantially. So, with that being said, it's a fantastic place to go ahead and buy a property, knowing all those different factors uh, that you know your appreciation is going to go up, you know, rents are going to go up, you know, that there's going to be a high demand for your pad split property to keep increasing year over year. And nothing against the Rust Belt states because there's still potential for fantastic pad splits. We were in Indianapolis, uh, we we're eyeballing Cleveland. Um, so we're in a couple of different markets where, yeah, there's factory work, there's there's uh, there's workers that come in and out and are happy to go ahead and stay in a property for a long time. And so when you're looking at a pad split city or a city to go ahead and put your pad split, you want there to be high demand for affordable housing, that there is a big difference between what studio apartments are going for and what pay is and what the salaries are. And you want to also understand that you are benefiting in multiple different facets. It's not just rental. It's also appreciation. It's also, um, it's also consistency. It, it's not just one, one type of job within that type of market. You don't want there to be uh, one, one mega factory and that mega factory kind of just defuncts. So when looking at, I would say, a pad split market, you'd want to have, obviously, a good dedicated account executive that knows different markets, which ones are doing good, what's the occupancy rates in those specific markets, uh, what what are the weekly rates in those markets as well. And with that type of knowledge that we gather at, at pad split, we're able to kind of direct you in a better direction so you can go ahead and be able to put your money in the right city based off of what it is that you're looking to make
1: man that is such a good way of explaining everything i mean you talked about job growth and job diversity uh more importantly because like hey what if there's a big recession or a big job loss you don't really want to be tied down to one employer that hey what if their factory closes or like an amazon fulfillment center closes and you go empty, right? Or maybe you have a casino uh, that's employing some employees specifically. So all these items are really, really critical factors. And I'm trying to think about everything, all the gems you share with me so far, right? It seems like if I'm a more risk-averse investor, maybe I want to start thinking about how do I hedge against this wave of pad splits that might be coming into the market? Because a lot of people talk about Airbnb saturation, right? What if we get there with pad splits? Do you recommend looking at areas like, hey... Maybe I should look at markets that have multiple jobs. I should also think about maybe putting in more ensuite bathrooms so that, hey, if for some reason there is too much supply, my property is still the first one to get booked out at. what what How are you thinking about hedging against a recession or an economic downturn? And what kind of strategies have you seen work? So
0: I would say that those are all valid points. You You definitely do want to take a look at markets where there is high drive and high High movement into those cities. I keep saying Florida because clearly I I live in Florida and I can see the (laughs) the micros in there. Uh, But there's a ton of cities nationwide that we're going to open or we're about to open Mm -hmm. or that we would consider opening uh, because clearly there's a high screaming demand for affordable housing. Uh, So just because we're in 18 plus cities, it doesn't mean that you can't have a pad split in a city that's Mm. like um, we're not in we're not in Austin, Texas. Is there a high demand for affordable housing in Austin, Texas? Most definitely. And with the right amount of properties, we're able to go ahead and go into those markets because there's just not affordability in there. Uh, And it is landlord friendly. So the way that I'm hedging against a lot of those risks is that I'm picking properties where, I'm acquiring correctly, I'm able to Mm. pull my equity out of that property. So Mm. I'm not only putting my money into the real estate market, but I'm pulling it out so that there's not much risk on my side. And then I'm able to continue buying. And so my market of choice that I've been buying in the last year is Jacksonville specific. And I started to diversify by buying in Orlando. And the only reason I'm pivoting towards buying in Orlando is because I know that there's A lot of different zones that are being built out i know that there's theme parks that are being added i know Mm. that there's a lot of corporate centers that are going into orlando and i understand that there's appreciation that's coming into orlando specific and central florida based off of all the infrastructure that's being built out here so i i started first with just cash flow and that's the first thing that i wanted to do to be financially free I want as much cash flow as possible. So Jacksonville, a lot of people moving into Jacksonville, a lot of people who are priced out of the market and it's the largest landmass in the United States for a city. So cheaper inventory, uh, high demand for affordable housing. And it allows me to go ahead and build a portfolio of five houses quickly. And then quickly pivoted towards Orlando, where in Orlando, my appreciation, I purchased the property last December at 190 and it's appraising at 300,000.
1: Whoa, let's go.
0: So, my, my next movement would be to go ahead and pick another city now where it has a whole different set of jobs, and I'm able to buy commercial property to where now the commercial property would give me a whole different valuation and it's a different type of asset. So, I would just understand going into buying patch splits or buying any type of investment property that you want to have a plan. And with that plan, and the right mentors, and the right teachers and guidance. Uh, you're picking markets that make sense to how you're acquiring
1: properties. Man, that's some like... You should be on so... You're going to get booked out for so many more podcasts after this, right? <laughs> um, you're just giving such great advice to the listeners because... That's exactly what people wanted to hear. That that's a path that you chose and that has worked out for you because you said, Hey, let me prioritize cash flow. Then maybe let's look for a market where the fundamentals are still there and there's a lot of room for appreciation. in real estate, right? Cash flow and appreciation. If you can get both, that's like the the best of both worlds. Like that's the best bang for your buck. So for folks that are listening right now, like, hey, you can have your own sort of investment strategy and decide what markets you want to invest in but also you got to understand your short-term goals and long-term goals might be very different from ray and some of his other clients that he has with his uh within his portfolio so i absolutely love that let's maybe talk about let's get into a little bit of tactical steps because i think the folks need to understand how do you actually set up a pad split we talked a little bit about the renovation but can you talk us through like, hey, in general, what are the different steps that an investor can expect to go through when they're setting up a path split? Because sometimes, as we talked about, an investor wants to know every single step of the, part of the process that might come along the way. So they're not scared about taking that leap of faith. So there's
0: a lot of preparation work in the education side of it. And there's only so much that you can learn in a very short amount of time while you're trying to get into this market while it's hot. And I know that there's a lot of people that say that the market's not hot, but it absolutely is. Interest rates may be a little bit higher, but what you're generating with a pad split is so much so, so much more that it doesn't matter what the interest rates are, that you're generating cash flow and there's still a lot of equity that's in these properties. So when acquiring a property, there's a lot of pro tips. There, there's, there's a lot. If you have a portfolio of oh, properties... Wait. If you have a lot of properties, for example, and I've seen those types of investors, hey, I, I have a property, I've had it for 10 years, I'm generating $1,200, I'm happy. It's a three bedroom, two bath. Well, guess what? Let's talk about how we can go ahead and take that un, un, unleveraged space, that space that's just sitting around, and let's go ahead and make additional bedroom spaces with the existing portfolio that you have, and let's 4X, 3X that income. And that's a heck of a lot easier than finding a property today. Uh, on the MLS, and a heck of a lot easier than finding a property that's wholesale. So that conversion game is it's very easy, and you're seeing your money multiply quick. And then for the people that are buying retail today, uh, which is the fastest way to go ahead and onboard a pad split other than conversion, there's people in all our markets that are buying off the MLS that takes 30 days to close. They're put it. They're doing the conversion that takes about two weeks to do. They're preparing the property that takes about a couple of days to do. And they're already live on the property by the second month. Wow. The
1: and, on second the, month, and on the second month, that's fast.
0: And, on the, and on the second month, that saves you two or three months of rehab and refinance and going through that process. So you're able to go ahead and go on the MLS today. I know one of your prior guests mentioned that you go on the MLS today, you can negotiate down on the prices that are there. And not only negotiate down on the price that are there but you're able to go ahead and buy something that's a little bit more turnkey and based off of what you walk through and you had your account executive talk to you about you're seeing that living room space now as a bedroom you have that dining room space as a bedroom and now your property is already on the platform about a month later after closing and then you're generating those returns uh, a lot faster but there's that third option where you're going. You're trying to find properties in today's market. You're trying to get it at a discounted rate, and you're trying to pull every cent that you can out of a deal. So, working with a reputable wholesale company, one that provides comps, one that uh, you know videos, Matterport reports, a lot of photos, uh, maybe someone that is MLS trained, a savvy real estate agent, they could go ahead and provide you properties, and partnering up with a good contractor, you're able to, and a good account executive, again, you're able to go ahead and analyze a property fast enough to where you're getting something that's 70 cents on the dollar, 65 cents on the dollar. And you have a great opportunity to go ahead and cash out refi and pull money out and then do that wall conversion. It is a more lengthy process, but what you're doing there is you're scrapping every bit of money that you can so that you can have it just rinse and repeat afterwards.
1: Man. Man. For anyone that's listening right now, we have the referral link. I'm going to drop it in the YouTube video. So if you want Ray as your account executive, when you are thinking about how do I analyze the deal, how do I look at this deal differently? Because so many times, nine times out of 10, sometimes when you are on top of a deal and you just don't know it it's probably because you just don't know how to look at it. And you need someone like Ray with that lens, that unique perspective, like, hey, this living room is probably one or two bedrooms. And that could be the difference between a deal and not a deal. And that's why it's so important that you work with A players. Seriously, work with A players like Ray, because he knows what he's talking about. Um, I love all those acquisitions tips. How about on a setup tips? How have like if you were to like you've done a few yourself already. If you had to say like there was like a best way to set up a pad split, like what would what would those steps entail? Right. Like, do you order everything first? Do you finish a rehab? Like when do you order stuff? Because there's some little logistical things that I don't know. I wish I learned when I was setting up my Airbnb, but I'm hoping to learn from you because you already have that experience already. So what Pad Split already does is build
0: that ecosystem out for you with vendors. Not just agents, but furniture companies, with insurance oh. companies, some contractors, and some handy handymen. Depending on the market you're in, I myself, since I buy properties, I share a lot of the vendors that I work with. So you can work. Well, I'll prepare you in the process. Here, here are the pat split standards. Here are the ways to maximize on the pat split standards. Instead of you setting up your property to only have one garbage can you'll probably want to set up to have two garbage cans you want to have two refrigerators Mm. you want to label the cabinets by numbers so that Mm. it's easier to trash out those cabinets when someone moves out uh there's a lot in there little tips that only an experienced investor that's gone through the process will be able to tell you so instead of using key locks or instead of using combination locks use wi-fi locks have everything connected Provide TVs inside a bedroom so that those TVs you can connect to your Netflix account. And now it's an additional premium in the room, and you're highlighting that in the photos of the listing. Oh. So we're going through those standards in the very beginning on educating you. But as you're acquiring the property and waiting to close, we're going over when to order furniture. Uh, depends on what furniture you're ordering, but. That might take two weeks. That might take one week. But you want to assess how long the rehab's going to take based off how you acquired the property and then plan to have the furniture come in. I personally recommend to go ahead and stage the rooms, take photos of the rooms, uh, do Matterport in those rooms and in your house so that you can best highlight your property. Very similar to Airbnb because it's those better looking rooms that rent out first in those markets. And so we're going through a timeline that's already been done hundreds and hundreds of times, not only with mom and pop investors, but also institutional investors that we work with. So we're going through basically a timeline of acquisition, uh, rehab, uh, putting furniture into the rooms, optimizing your house to go ahead and make it the best pad split, and then taking great photos so that you are highlighting the best features of your house so that when it goes live, it's done fairly, fairly quickly. And then you're making money a lot
1: faster. Man, those are some great tips on using Wi-Fi locks so that you can always change that stuff remotely. I, I think for people, I really want this point to be hammered home because you brought this up about putting in Netflix, staging your homes. People sometimes forget that real estate, you are providing a product. And think about how nice that product is allows you to charge a premium. Think about you know, an Apple iPhone where you are trying to have a very simplified user interface, but it's a beautiful product and super easy to use. That's how you stand apart from all the other competition. So listen to what Ray just talked about staging, like doing those small little things, making your decor nicer than all your other properties allows you to charge a better premium. And again, you will probably get booked before all the other properties, like standing out, it's still a competitive advantage in any single business. Um, so I love all those tips and tricks, right? Oh, so you have a ton couple
0: of more. There's a couple yeah, more. Dude, let's go, I could let's give... go
1: through them. Let's go through them, man.
0: <laughs> so when you're onboarding a property, there's, there's regular calculators that we have on the platform, right? Well, the calculators that I like to go through on the platform, just as reference and guidance, is one that allows you to go ahead and set the property up the way you would when you onboard the property. So on there, you're able to select, is it a small room? Is it a media room? Is it a large room? You can go ahead and pick the type of the size of the bed that you're going to go ahead and put it in the future. So knowing that type of stuff in the acquisition part of your process, you're able to go ahead and see a living room that has a side exit of on the living room to go to the outside of the house. So while you're preparing your house, now that exit on the side of the house becomes a private entrance for that specific room. And now that private entrance generates you a higher return because you're able to charge more because it doesn't disrupt the other people in the house. The other stuff that I would go ahead and tell you and advise you in the process is when you are looking at a living room space, I'll, I'll try to paint a picture for you guys. If you're looking at a house that has a carport and in that carport, you go, into, you go into it and there's a washer and dryer usually, and that leads into like a kitchen and then there's another point of entry in the house that's the front door that leads into like a larger living room space. I typically guide investors to go ahead and divert the entrance to the house to that carport because now that front bedroom becomes two bedrooms and those two bedrooms, one of them has his own private entrance. And then the other one has entrance into the main part of the house based off of how you do like a little box for them to be able to get into the main part of the house through two doors and then now your neighbors only seeing one person going through the front door and then now everyone's going in through the carport to get into the house and it's not bothering anybody so the money is made in acquisitions and There's a lot of savvy little things that you do. So when you do select your property, you do hit those indicators that get you bonuses. You do have your private entrances. You do have multiple egresses. You do have larger size rooms because now you set your house up based off of what's gonna get you the higher returns. You do go ahead and put the desk in the room because you wanna attract the person that works for those tech companies. And that desk is an extra amenity that looks fantastic in your photo. So instead of buying a house and just running around and trying to pick anything in the acquisition process, you're already selecting the house based off of those features that are going to generate you that higher rent rate. And then you're getting those higher returns so that when you're finally finishing the project, it's not an afterthought. It's something that was planned ahead and you know what you're going to go ahead and generate on that.
1: Whoo, I literally have people watching live right now saying genius, multiple exclamation points, Ray. Multiple exclamation points. So thank you for sharing some more tips. Uh dude, if you have more, just like shout them out. If they come up to your head, shout them out. Like we would take any more tips. Yeah, there's
0: there's more, obviously. There's uh I'm just trying (laughs) to think. Okay, so there's people who take extra closets inside the house that the hallway closets that don't do anything instead of just closing it up and not. Doing anything with it? Well, gut it a little bit and put a lock on it, a, a Wi Fi lock, and then go ahead and create storage space inside the house for people that have extra stuff that don't fit in the room. Because at Pad Split, it's one person per room. There's no pets, there's no couples, there's no family, there's no children. So the furniture is already in the room so that it's easier for them to move in. So instead of having them bring a lot of stuff into the bedroom, it's an additional way to go ahead and create extra income by providing them storage inside the same house so that they don't have to go ahead and use another storage company. And that's charging them $70 a month. You can charge them an extra $10, $15, $20 just for that storage space per month. And that's something that you go ahead and utilize that empty extra space in your house. Um, what are the tips do I have in there? Wow, pools pools is an un, unknown thing in pad split it's kind of rare because we modeled our market space off of Atlanta. And because in Atlanta, it costs a little bit more to go ahead and maintain a pool. Well, what about the professionals that want somewhere to cool off in 96 degree weather in Florida or in Texas, or in one of these markets where I think Arizona, all those houses in Phoenix that are usually Airbnbs and stuff all have pools. Well, there's definitely a large segment, a large demographic that work in class, professionals that are entry level at lockheed entry level at harris entry level in some of these great paying jobs like google and stuff that can't afford to live in a studio apartment but we'll move into your pad split but now you have a pool it is an extra liability on you but it's not any different than the liability you would have at, at an airbnb but then now you're given an extra amenity that looks fantastic in the listing and you could charge a slight premium because now they could go hang out in a pool in the afternoon we don't encourage socializing. and we, we eliminate common area space, but on the outside of the house, with the right type of members, I don't see it as being an issue. Especially if you're generating a higher return.
1: Wow, what great ways to get additional revenue! Like not only are you turning internal closets into self storage, like I feel like you could with some of these larger backyards. Why can't you just put a shed in the back, right, and also rent it out as self storage for additional units? That could be a genius way. Pools. Uh, we've seen premiums for pools in Airbnbs that you, as an investor, might decide, hey, let me go lead lead the way here. Let me start doing all, all my properties with pools. Maybe that's your investment strategy. Maybe that's how you want to stand out. I don't know, but you have to check your ROI and see whether or not the weekly and monthly pool maintenance is actually worth the investments. Uh, we had a question from the live audience. Whether or not you've seen any sort of investors convert like old assisted living buildings or they're empty into pad splits, any sort of like commercial opportunities like that that you're hearing about?
0: I have someone converting a property in Leesburg. So it's just north of what we considered a core market, but it it used to be a dentist or doctor's office and they're retrofitting the property into pad split. Uh, It's very common. I just, I guess it depends on the actual structure itself because a lot of these older doctor's offices have windows that don't open and those Mm. external windows that don't open, that's an expensive cost. But if it's a, it's, it's an, I'm from up North. So I'm from New York. I'm used to old uh, Victorian buildings that Mm. get converted into, uh, into offices. And so if it's something like that, that's just an absolutely large property that takes up, uh, a whole corner of a lot, then those types of properties, as long as your egresses are there, then that's an easy conversion for a pad split, being that there's probably enough parking spaces because it was an assisted living facility. There's enough rooms mm-hmm. and the, it was designed for a lot more people. But pad splits, I've seen schools in Georgia converted into pad splits. Schools. I've seen, wow, schools. I've seen churches converted into pad splits. I've seen apartment complexes change into pad splits and old lofts converted into pad splits.
1: So it seems like you can almost, the path with exit strategy really works. It's more dependent on, hey, you got to look at all the different factors that Ray just talked about, egress, are the windows openable or not? And then what does your plumbing look like? When I think I heard about your doctor's office or dentist's office. Like, hey, within each dental office, there's a sink already. So there's some plumbing already. So
0: that could be a very...
1: yeah. That's a really, really smart way. And you talked about parking, like, oh, parking's already going to be there, so you're not going to have a big uproar with the neighbors there. So, I think those are very, very good points for you guys to take into consideration as you're considering where to invest and what properties you're buying. Because just like all Airbnbs, when they had this huge uproar about, you know, on on media saying Airbnbs are just party houses, you might get you might run into issues like that with with your properties or your passive properties in single family home areas. So we talked a lot about the good and great upside to passive terrain. Let's talk, let's debunk some of the issues that people talk about. Cause I think I, this is where I really want to get into the meat of the discussion with you. Um, let's start with like member disputes. You got a lot of people living in a home. What have you seen as like a best practice to prevent those issues? But also like, have you ran into any of those issues yourself?
0: So I, I would caution everyone when doing a pad split in general, there's risk in real estate and it's real estate across the board. So, evictions are part of everything. Uh, as a platform, what pad split authentically does very well is hedge against a lot of those uh, potential issues. So, instead of the national average of six point something percent evictions on long term rentals, pad split's evictions are less than 2%. Uh, our, our collection rates are 97%. Our occupancy rate across all markets are 90%. Uh, Some markets better than others, but I will say that a lot of the questions that I get on, on, Hey, there's six, there's six rooms. So there has to be six parking spaces. Well, that's in the planning and preparation of the property. So we have guidelines, just do it better than the guidelines. So for every two bedrooms, you want one parking space. If there's two in your driveway and there's three on the road, then your eight bedroom should be fantastic. I can tell you personally at my house, I have seven out of eight rooms occupied currently in one of my houses, and I have zero cars at that house because it's close to public transit. But because we're leveraging underutilized space like your living room and dining room to go ahead and create bedrooms, we're reducing down the areas that they're interacting in. So instead of them hanging out in the living room and someone bringing an uninvited guest over to the house and someone stays there for an extended period of time, well, we have rules that they follow, and we have a we have a we have rules that if they break a rule, there is there is uh, three keys currently. Uh, that's a system that we use. So if you lose all three keys, you're terminated off the platform. But the members have the ability to transfer out the house in case something, whether it's a vibe, whether it's the, whether it's just bad interactions or something's escalated, the member has every bit of opportunity to go transfer from one house to another. Uh, If it becomes habitual, I believe that there's a charge that's given to the member that keeps transferring. I believe there's only one free transfer. Uh, But yeah, we're eliminating common areas so that they're not partying. We're eliminating common areas so they're not interacting much. We're screening people by doing background checks, credit checks, and work verifications so that we know that the person that's moving into the house can financially afford the house, And so that we know how many evictions they've had in their record in the last seven years, and we also know that they don't have any violent crimes or felonies within the last seven years as well. So there's a lot of key features in there to help mitigate those risks. But it's always always done in the planning in the acquisition of the property that you're going to go ahead and reduce a lot of those potential issues uh, by reducing common areas, by reducing, uh, by doing a better job on your rehab, by putting better furniture in the rooms, by photograph, by photographing your listing a heck of a lot better, you're attracting those members that can afford those rooms, that are willing to pay those higher rates, and you are limiting their interactions to bathrooms and kitchens. I'll even tell you this tidbit. Hosts put mirrors inside of bedrooms. Why do hosts put mirrors inside the bedrooms? Because it reduces the time in the bathrooms. And if you're reducing time in the bathroom, then that means that there's no issues due to bathrooms. bathroom. So you're even reducing the bathroom situation. And most pad split members aren't cooking in the house because they have full-time jobs. So being that they have full-time jobs, they're usually take, they're taken out. So when they're doing takeout, give them the extra garbage can so that they could go ahead and dispose of those garbage cans and it doesn't make your house look like a total mess. So it's all in preparation to help mitigate all those types of risks.
1: Man, that I mean, that shows you how much planning you guys can take and implement in your investments. Because, like everything Ray just said, there are so many ways to mitigate it. Like screening is a big one. I think screening is just a fundamental of real estate investing that applies across all your exit strategies. Like we screen our Airbnb guests very well. We always ask a lot of questions like, hey, what do you have planned? What are you going to do at the home? And hopefully they spend most of the time outside the home. This is the same scenario where you're trying to mitigate the amount of time and common space. And I love that gem that you dropped about putting a mirror in that room. Like That is so important, guys. It's just small little things like that that makes the experience better for everybody in the home. So absolutely love that. Um, And uh, we had a question from the live audience again like asking whether or not uh, these background checks, like you guys charge for it, or are they already part of like a twelve percent pad split fee that you guys uh, pass on to the host? What does that look like?
0: So the member when they sign up, and, and here's actually a mistake that some people make when they want to sign up as host. Some people sign up as host on the website, but hit member by mistake, and then they end up paying like a twenty dollars. They, they end up paying whatever the fee is to go <laughs> ahead and become a member. Well, that member side is for the the tenants in the house and so that fee you pay is to go ahead and be screened and so we're doing the screening on you uh, based off of again your credit your credit mostly to identify evictions and then we disclose that to you uh your your financial what you produce you can i guess I, i believe we use plaid uh it's a better question for i guess the product department but they'll go back uh they'll look at your bank account or they'll look at your checks and so you'll link your bank account to plaid and then plaid will verify what you're generating what you're making and then you'll see rooms that you qualify for and then and then uh the other indicator would be uh oh violent crimes obviously you don't want you don't want somebody with crazy criminal history moving into your pad split so there's a feature on the on the platform that allows you to say yes to the member and so you could turn it on for any one of your properties and so give you 24 hours, you'll get an alert that someone wants to move into your property. And in that 24 hours, if you leave it idle, it'll prove it by itself. But in that 24 hours, you're able to see how much they make, how much they're verified for, uh, how many evictions, and if they cleared the background check. And sometimes they'll tell you where they work at based based off of how they clarified what they make. Uh, and then you could go ahead and say yes to the person that's trying to move into your pad split based off of their income. And you can technically reach out to those members and do an additional level of screening to, under, like, to ask them, hey, have you ever lived in a co-living model before? Have you ever had roommates? How long have you been at your job? What was the shortest amount of time you stayed at a rental property? And so you can do an additional level of screening so that you can verify the person that's moving into your PAT split.
1: Wow. And I think those are such great tips, again, for screening your your residents, guys. Like, Passport isn't going to force anyone into your home. It's ultimately your choice at the end of the day. And hopefully with over time, you should definitely incorporate those additional questions that Ray just mentioned. But over time, you're going to learn like, hey, what if I do run into this this bad scenario or you have some issues with tenants? Learn from it. Learn from it and think about how do you ask that question in the future so you can... Try to prevent these issues from happening in your home. So that's why I I loved having you on Ray here uh, because we get to eliminate the fear, pull us out of fear, but then also show you like, hey, even in the worst worst case scenario happens, whatever that might be, you get to learn from it and you get to implement some changes into your business and then prevent that issue in the future. So
0: I will say one thing because I didn't answer the question, I just kind of remembered it. What are some of my experiences, I guess, as a host. Uh, that you know might not necessarily be great, but how I, I learn as an investor and what you should do as an investor. So if you're not an operator and you're not used to going and renting everything and doing property management yourself, and you don't know how to screen people, you don't know how to collect, you don't know how to do repairs on a property or hire that out, I would suggest using property management. Property management works very well hand-in-hand with PadSplit because PadSplit does a lot of the marketing, the people management management, the collection of the money uh they'll handle the member to member disputes and they'll guide you in the process but patch split doesn't do the doesn't do anything to your physical house so if your grass needs to be cut or if there's any service in that your house needs like you like an example one of my houses i wanted to skimp out a little bit on the refrigerator and in the refrigerator i paid 500 for it got it on facebook i thought i was slick and it broke down well my property manager was able to mitigate that. So PadSplit reached out to my property manager, my property manager being very skillful, talked to everyone in the house, hired someone out and was able to do a lot of that for me so that I don't have to be a property manager or so hands-on on on my PadSplits so I can keep expanding what it is that I have. Because you don't want to self-manage. It's cool to say, hey, I got seven houses. It's not seven houses. I have 47 doors. 47 doors are 47 individuals. And so as an operator, you got to know what you're good at, what you're not good at. And so you're a good property manager with screen people. A good property manager will talk to someone if they paid late. A good property manager will hire the right people for that type of job that you need and not hop around different other people that might be brand new to pad split. So I've had instances of rushing a rehab and something not working. And property management saved me in that case. I've had somebody that was in a room and they, I guess, damaged some things inside the room. But my property manager said, Hey, before we transfer this person, and even though they're in good standings, let me go ahead and walk through the property before allowing them to transfer to another property to make sure that they fix or they repair anything that might be damaged. And lo and behold, she walked through the property. It was already fixed, and there were some damages, but she was able to do that. So I don't have to focus on that part of the business. So I will say that surrounding yourself with a good team, uh, finding out what your weaknesses are, and hiring out to those weaknesses are fantastic bits of advice, and I would always highly recommend it. But it's mostly been on the it's mostly been on the admin stuff. I haven't had anything crazy. Maybe a non payment for a week, but then they got. They, they fulfilled their payment uh, moving forward because if you miss two payments in a row, you're terminated off the platform. So somebody would not pay for a week, but with property management, they'll talk to the member inside the room and they'll figure out what's going on. And that person's you know up to date with their payments by the time the second week rolls around.
1: And I think that's why you got to have good property management because unless you guys, I mean, we all do this for the freedom of time, right? Or financial independence. Everyone kind of has that same dream. And if you really want to do this long term, you got to have a team that in place like Ray, like his property manager company, so that can handle all these minute issues. So that one, you maybe you go raise more private capital. Maybe you go acquire more properties. Unless you truly love operating your, your property and you want to be a property manager, these are things that you need to factor into your underwriting and your analysis to make sure like your, your costs will cover it. But again, you have folks like Ray and other account executives that can help you underwrite and get to a more accurate number so that you know what the potential numbers might look like on a monthly basis. So absolutely love these gems man. right hey i don't think we ever talked about do you know how much on average it costs to set up a room for a passport like with the locks the furniture and everything i don't think we ever got through uh or talked about that just rough range. so
0: the, the number that uh Oriana would say is uh about a thousand dollars for a room and that's furniture locks and whatever it is that you're going to go ahead and put into the room uh, mm-hmm. but that's why it's important to have the right account executive that could connect you with the furniture people that he uses. And so I've been able to get it down to somewhere around 700, I'd say about $800 or so per room mm-hmm. for locks for furniture, for the necessaries that would go inside, inside of a bedroom, uh, mattress, full size bed, nightstand, uh, dresser, if it's needed, desk chair, a box spring mirror, uh, lock and a door number on the door. Uh, you're looking somewhere around 700
1: to $800. Ray, are you building all this furniture yourself or you hire like a handyman to do all this stuff?
0: Nope. On the first <laughs> property, I, I, I at the first property, I, I ordered everything on Amazon and I'm like, hey, this looks fantastic. I got king size bed, queen size beds. It looked great. I spent about two weeks trying to onboard that property. Now oh. I, I, I work with like a vendor because I, I bought the property in Jacksonville and I'm two hours away. So I would have to drive up there to go ahead and build, do that for a couple of days, work as an account executive, guide investors through the process, come back home, do normal stuff and then go back. Yeah, I'm not doing that again. Uh, furniture, <laughs> company, furniture company delivers it for you, sets it up for you and prepares it the way that you'd like. You go in potentially and throw some comforters on it, stage the room, hire a photographer, have the photos taken. And you're onboarded in like a day or two because the, the person already came and built everything up for you. So I'm um, strong proponent on ordering furniture and having it built from the company.
1: Yeah, this is not an ego thing, guys. You guys don't just say you did everything on your own. Sometimes it just makes the process so much more enjoyable when you are able to hire a team out and handle some of these activities. So you don't hate yourself for going through that process and you don't want to go through it again. It's, you got to enjoy this part of the process, right? This is the fun part. And I absolutely love those points uh, that you said, Ray, where you got, you should hire some of this stuff out.
0: <laughs> buy, buy. And then other key things, buy sturdy furniture. There's like little tidbits, mm. like certain cities have a uh, hotel liquidation furniture. Mm. And so those hotel furnitures are sturdy. They're a lot cheaper. I will buy, furniture for 500 or $550, uh, for a set that would fill up a room. And that's, that's about, you're saving $300 in the process, but the furniture is solid. That's not going nowhere. It's already seen thousands of people and it's going to see maybe another thousand, thousands of people more. So there's that option. Uh, but don't skimp out. Don't buy Ikea. You're just going to re buy furniture and yes. it's not a good investment. So don't skimp out. You, if you're cheap, you end up paying twice
1: dude what a great advice man that's why we, you should not buy cheap furniture because you're just gonna be shooting yourself in your own foot later down the road like you're gonna be burning time essentially reordering furniture and that's not a spot you want to be when you're trying to grow and scale your portfolio um all right right this has been an amazing conversation uh we, we're getting to a point where i want to ask this question to like all my guests that come on to the podcast because as you know affordable housing is such a big problem and some people have always told us hey affordable housing is impossible to solve for. I don't really believe that to be the case. I think it's a collective effort that everyone needs to pitch in and everyone needs to contribute their uh, their little piece to the puzzle. So I would love to hear from you, like, hey, why, why do you think affordable housing is so hard to solve for? And I don't know, if you have any ideas or solutions, we would love to hear it.
0: Kent, you took my answer, bro. Uh, it is a collective effort. It's not something that somebody that's renting out four rooms in their house as a mom and pop Co-living operator is going to solve. It's nothing that Pad Split would even solve, you know, on their own. Uh they're they're doing it as a big name where they are lobbying for affordable housing. They're lobbying for changes in definition of a family, uh, zoning. And we need people like that. And as the head of legal, you know, has told me before Pad Split, there's different, there's, there's three different tactical phases that they try to go through. And I know I'm going to butcher it, but it's, uh, I, it's what we can do in the current time based off the cities that we're selecting and how we're able to operate in a gray area, but legally, and then what we're able to do in the short term with some change according to what cities are doing. Uh, so definition of a family and then working towards the future where co-living is something that is, uh, a standard it's something that we're able to provide affordable housing through the whole spectrum of of incomes so i would say it's a combination of yeah the mom and pop person yeah the pad split but also people looking at asset classes like apartment complexes and hotels uh, because pad splits doing single people they're still couples they're still families and there's, there's need for families to have affordable housing as well. But from what my personal experience, I've sat in a city city meeting and I've had the person from zoning department not love the idea of pad split, but it doesn't fit what their idea of zoning is. And so I have the person that talks about, hey, the density. And I have another person that says, hey, can we construct? Do we have enough properties? And there's a lot of individuals that just can't figure in city that, hey, this is what our roadmap is to go ahead and create affordable housing. So then there's companies like Pad Split that's just going ahead and produce a lot of units in cities by multiplying rooms inside of a house. And that's just a private, sol- private type of solution to a public problem.
1: I absolutely love that. And I think so many times people need to understand like, well, who really wants to just rent, buy a room? Like there's plenty of people that does this. And these are folks, and I believe the number you guys have is like 14 million households that are one to two person renters, and they make less than $35,000 a year. There is a need for this type of housing. And you need to have a supply because you can't project what living conditions you're willing to live in. But for somebody else, they are trying to get by Earn their living and then save a little bit of money and be on their way to their next adventure. So I think for everyone that's out there that might be thinking about, hey, is this right for me? You just got to think about whether or not you are truly providing a solution to the problem. And if you are providing a solution, there is going to be demand for it. And I think that's what is so cool about what you guys are doing at Pad Split. And this is um, I, I I'm really excited to see where this company goes. And I'm I'm gonna be working with you, Ray. I already know it.
0: <laughs> I'm excited to work with you and I'm excited to see where you're going to take things in the different markets. There's so much, like I just had another pro tip. There's, Let's it go. just keeps, it keeps coming. Come on, last come one, on. I, last one, I promise there's operators that I know right now that are only pad split in the properties, but they're also pad split in the land by putting 80s in the back and utilizing mm. some of those larger pieces of land. So not only did you maximize what you're doing with a three bedroom, two bath house, And it's a six bedroom, two bath house. But now you have three ADUs in the back of your house that are kitchenette, bathroom, and rooms. And now they're renting outside a premium. And so there's a lot of properties that fall under that, especially as you get to more uh, like suburbs, non HOAs, or in between two larger markets like Tampa and Orlando. There's parts Mm -hmm. like Lakeland where there's a ton of land. So I hate to keep throwing protests, but they just keep coming to me. But I'm super excited to continue to working with you. And whenever your community needs me, I'm definitely here for for anybody. And definitely keep an eye out for me. Great thing about working with me is that you kind of get two for one. You get two account executives for the price of one. You have one that worked for a hedge fund, and the other one that worked for, <laughs> hedge fund for a while. So.
1: Oh, we ha- we had another live question come through. Um, they just wanted to know in general what have you seen being charged per room across like the entire spectrum. Because like you, you mentioned en suites, you mentioned like almost standalone ADUs to private rooms where they're sharing like four to one. Like, what kind of numbers have you seen uh, for rental rates by room for some of these prop- different types of room units?
0: So some of our cheaper, for a lack of a better term, room rates I've seen is like one thirty. And wow, okay. you'll see that like in Houston, uh, possibly Cleveland, Detroit, and uh, certain markets. I've even seen properties in Jacksonville somewhere around 130 140 mm-hmm. But some of those uh, cheaper price rooms are some of the larger operators, like family offices that are acquiring properties in mm-hmm. these markets. And so what they're doing is just kind of cookie cutter. You buy a house, you maximize it. You don't photograph it well. You don't do anything extra. But it, there's no such at the current moment a saturation for pad split because unless the affordable housing crisis has been solved and there is affordable housing for everybody then you know we haven't reached anything but I do very well in markets that an operator like that's operating in because I'm given a different product each house is a different product uh, but some of the more expensive weekly rates that I'm seeing uh 395 for a room and wow, that's an 395
1: ADU. okay 80 yep. uh, got it
0: uh, but it varies so I'll, I'll kind of give you some windows i would say like a year ago to a year to year and a half jacksonville was somewhere around 130 dollars a week to rooms being as high as 270 which is one mm. of my houses and so in that house you're looking at about 1200 dollars a month for one room and then in tampa you're you started off similarly somewhere around 130 140 And now you're seeing rooms cross over the 300 mark to 395. And then in Orlando now, the average, if you look at any of these markets, it's not the same numbers I'm giving you because it's a collective of all the properties. Mm. But in Orlando, it was an average of 205. But my most recent uh, host that worked with us put their property out at 350 and there's no ADU there. It's just a private bathroom Uh, and their bedrooms are now 230, 240. But it's because in a, it's a it's a uh, it's in a different part of Orlando, so there's mm. different jobs. There's hospitals, there's airports, there's schools for teachers. Like the teachers end up staying in pad splits, so different area, different price points. And then we keep obviously expanding, so we keep testing those different comps. But Miami, just to kind of cap this off, Miami's starting their weekly rates at three hundred dollars.
1: Whoa, wow! Very, so more it's, expensive it's relative, prices, but. Yeah, It's
0: it's all relative. Affordable housing is a relative term. Workforce housing is a relative term. Me working at McDonald's is a different necessity than me working at Google as an entry-level person. But my $80,000 in Florida is fantastic, but my $80,000 in New York is near poverty. So it's like, yeah, as we go into different markets, you're going to see the different ranges going from what the lower... Call star based off of an area to the higher price points based off of a different asset.
1: Man, thank you so much for that summary, Ray. And this has been an awesome conversation, man. I'm so glad you were you were able to kind of make your way onto the pockets and share your wisdom and experience with our audience. Like can't thank you enough, but seriously, I really, really appreciate it. And if people want to reach out to you, Ray, like where can they get in touch with you? Um, where can they contact you?
0: Well, first and foremost, if they're coming from your community, hit that link. And that link you. gets you that extra special customer service that I definitely give anyone of Kent's <laughs> people. Uh, but additional to that, uh, my Instagram is R E I A N T Nunez N U N E Z. So real estate investment, Ant Nunez, and uh, we have a Facebook group. But that Facebook group is for people that are looking to get into Pat Split and want to mingle with existing pad split hosts and that want to go ahead and be educated a little bit more. Mm. I allow that community to flourish and educate each other while we chime in as admins to kind of point everyone in the right direction. So that specific one, and I know it's Florida, but it's a uh, pad split, uh, the Florida group. And I help admin that Oriana admins that one. Love it. And it's open to anybody that wants to join.
1: Awesome. So guys, if you're thinking about pass please hit that referral link in the show notes and you will get some special, special attention from Ray, a guy that knows a lot and is going to be one of those A players you want on your team. So thank you so much, Ray. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you back on in like a couple of months or maybe a year from now and just see how much your portfolio has grown, man. Thank you so much. Definitely.
0: I appreciate it, brother. All right. And we're out.